This is Gary J. Tunnicliffe, makeup effects artist, and you are listening to WithoutYourHead.com. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm joined by pinhead himself paul t taylor of hellraiser judgment how are you doing i'm fine neil i am happy to be here thank you i'm happy to have you here it's very cool so uh um, cool. first yeah it's gonna be good we'll talk about uh, pinhead we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about but uh you know, first right. of all, how did you get involved in uh in hellraiser judgment i was sitting at home and I got an email from my agent saying that the casting director wanted to put me on tape for the role of the auditor. And so I read the sides and it was only being called judgment at the time. It was a secret that it was a Hellraiser film. And, um, I read his first line and I thought, this is a Hellraiser movie. This is fantastic. I want this part. And then about five minutes later, Maybe. I don't remember exactly if it was five minutes later or five days later. I got an email, just uh, a private email uh, saying, we also want to put you on tape for Pinhead. And I thought, ah, there's no way I'm going to get that part. And then that lasted just a few minutes. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, no, this can happen. You're going to make it the best film audition you've ever done in your life. And, uh, and that's what led to me getting the role. I just, totally committed to it. The casting director is, is an acquaintance of mine who's cast me in many things over the years. I live in Dallas. He's in Oklahoma City. It's only a three-hour drive. Um, he came down. He put me on tape, along with a lot of other actors, of course. And then um, a couple weeks later, I found that I was playing Pinhead. It was, really, it was really strange how quickly it all 
happened. And yeah. so surreal because Pinhead is my guy. He's been my favorite 80s horror icon, you know, ever from the first moment I saw that film. Mm-hmm. Just because of everything he looks like and everything he represents. And, you know, I had action figures and all that stuff, you know, hard, serious, serious Hellraiser fans. So mm-hmm. I think the universe just kind of said, okay, Paul, you've suffered in your life. You're looking for some <laughs> film, film work. How's this? Okay. You know, it's, it's crazy, yeah. but it seems, it seems like it was really simple that, mm-hmm. that everything just lined up and it just came to me. So, you know, I, that's, it's a pretty simple story. Sorry. It's not very, I don't know how interesting that is, but that's basically how I got involved with the movie. No, I think, I think it's interesting. So did you, did you okay. actually do the audition for both roles then for both Pinhead and the, the auditor? I did. I did. I, I prepared both of them because, again, you know, I, I, I thought I had a better shot at playing the auditor because he's sort of a middle management weirdo. And, and I read the lines and thought, you know, I can do something with this. This is perfect for me. Um, people with as much power as Pinhead, or creatures, with c- characters with as much power as Pinhead has, I've played them on stage, but I had never played that level of power in a film. And so I didn't know what my shot was with that. So yeah, I prepared both. And um, I was very serious about both of them. I developed two very distinct um, characters, voices, ways of standing and all that kind of thing. And um, I think I sat, I sat on a chair um, for the auditor and, and then just stood for Pinhead because, you know, we don't see Pinhead sitting much. Yeah. Unless, yeah. of course, in Hell is a Judgment where he's contemplating existence <laughs> uh, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It, so, it's actually yeah. interesting you say that because, um, you know, I think a lot of uh, Pinhead in in throughout Hellraiser is just like his presence. Um, mm-hmm. Like, does he see him and how he carries himself? So it's... Uh, right. How, uh, how do you... Because obviously it's an iconic role, so... Like, uh, how yeah. much do you take from what's already been on screen? And obviously, you don't want to just uh, mimic someone else. So, like, how do no, you come up with your totally own, you know, pinhead? Yeah, it's 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 impossible to to play a role that way somebody else plays it. And and any actor who tries to do that is doomed to failure because you don't have what that person has. You have your own qualities and your own experience and all that stuff. So. I started out really, I mean, I already knew most of the Hellraiser films and I had watched uh, the first two a lot. So I I went back, I got all of the DVDs I didn't have yet. And I just watched Doug Bradley, Doug Bradley, Doug Bradley for a couple of weeks just to soak that up because I knew that I had to honor that history. I mean, if it wasn't for Doug Bradley, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I owe him a huge debt of gratitude um, because he, you know, he's the reason Pinhead is the iconic um, horror, the iconic icon. That doesn't, that didn't come out right. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I, I, all I, and then, I mean, after watching that, watching those films for a couple of weeks, concentrating on his performance, director Gary J. Tonicliffe and I agreed that um, it was time for me to just concentrate on my own thing. I continued to watch watch movies mostly i just concentrated on very still threatening 
horror uh, film villains, not necessarily horror, but film villains with, um, with, you know, total evil in their hearts and, um, and vulnerability at the same time, because sure. if you're human, you have vulnerability. And of course, Pinhead was human. So, mm-hmm. and I just believe in vulnerability. I think it's something that we have to have no matter what we're playing, because that's how we create empathy. That's how we relate to people, even if we're playing a monster who's forgotten he was human once, all that stuff. Um, so, and then after, you know, concentrating on other, watching other films and other film villains, such as uh, Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs and um, Ray Fiennes in um, uh, Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Again, not um, not a horror. I mean, you could call that a horror movie. I definitely sure, think re- Schindler's List real life horror horror film in a way. Yeah, which is much more terrifying to me. Uh, human cruelty is so much worse than than monsters. But anyway, um, after watching movies i stopped watching films and i just started concentrating on going into my own darkness and my own history with suffering and my own what what i really had to do was do my work so that i felt no fear whatsoever because obviously pinhead or the hell priest um hell priest to some pinhead to those who care <laughs> who want to die um Obviously, he has. Oh, I I went off and then I forgot what I was saying. Um, I you totally said, uh, no, no fear, no fear to play Pinhead. I think a lot no of no fear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I had to. You know, Pinhead has no fear, but an actor playing the Hell Priest might have some fear. You know, and I I just had to go to that really dark place, and I spent so much time in in the literal dark. Um, in my, in my darkened house, in my dark, scary neighborhood, um, kind of ghetto neighborhood where I wouldn't normally take a walk at night. And, um, and I started taking walks. I started smoking just so I could not only try to lower my voice, not realizing they were going to alter, uh, the help voice anyway, but I, I, but I think it, it still helped me because there was, to me, there's a, there's a darkness and a toughness and a, I'm not afraid of death thing with smoking. I mean, that's kind of what it is. Like, come on, death, I dare you. Um, basically adopting a mantra. Um, I am pinhead. You can't fuck with me. I have no fear that that was because that's really where pinhead is. Um, in judgment and probably in every film. I mean, that's who he is. He has all the power. He has, he's not afraid of anybody. And, uh, and, and, but Paul T. Taylor has some fear in his life, like most humans, you know. Um, some, some doubts, some negative self-talk going on. I had to get that gone. And there was also a matter of me revisiting where I had been so a few years before that when I had been thinking I was going to die because I had hepatitis C and was really... I was gathering, I was saving pain pills, I was going to kill myself, all this dramatic stuff, but to me, it was real at the time. Mm -hmm. Thank God I got cured. I mean, I was cured probably seven years ago, but Mm -hmm. I revisited that place of suffering, because if you you haven't suffered, I mean, truly suffered, and been in that hell that we create for ourselves, 
then how are you going to play a character like Pinhead? I mean, I was, I was lucky in a way that I went through that before I ever got the, the chance to play the Hell Priest because having that history really helped me get to that dark place and understand what I was saying. What I'm saying to Joe Feel, mm-hmm. how dare you use such a word? You know nothing of suffering. Let mm-hmm. me show you and all that stuff. It, it was very valuable. And if I had been, if I had gotten the role when I was much younger and thought I was healthy and was, um, took everything for granted and, you know, um, white pri- male white privilege, all right, yeah, bring it. Um, you know, I had to, I mean, I, I'm saying that, I hope everyone knows I'm saying that ironically. I sure. don't, because <laughs> uh-huh. I know that, you know, I know it's a real thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it was basically connecting with the suffering I had gone through before in my life already and with getting to that place of darkness and no fear whatsoever. That's basically what I had to work on. Yeah. And saying the lines over and over and over again so that I, that, <laughs> right. so, that so, I had, so that I had them in my head so I, there was no doubt when we were shooting. And then, of course, yeah. the day before or the day of, you get lines that have been changed. You're like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> but, you know, that's what you do. That's what yeah. we do. Along with, uh, you're talking about um, suffering. And, and a, few, a couple years yeah. ago, I had emergency surgery. I uh, was spent uh, three months in the hospital in rehab. It was oh, my very God. Bad. So, um, but um, yeah. I think, like you're saying, like uh, if you played it earlier, maybe... I think maybe you can just see like the confidence in Pinhead, but uh, I always think mm-hmm. there's like a lot of sadness in the character too. It's you know it's kind of layered. It's, it's a layered character. And, uh, yeah, it is. Do you, do, uh, do you see Pinhead as evil? I know you said you know Heart of Evil and everything, but I've always um, felt in no, the first I, two movies he's more neutral. I do think that he's he's. There have been some of the some of the later sequels where yeah, I think part he's three there. Is really- evil he's there just because he's there Mm -hmm. um i don't remember which film it is maybe hell world where he chops a guy's head off in the basement i i'm not sure which film it is and at that point i'm like this is a evil character chopping off a guy's head Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with sexual you know has nothing to do with the first films pinhead has has you know been different in different movies it was with the third movie that that they reinvented and sort of made him more of a slasher so that the studio could you know um have more of a payday i mean we we, we, that's that's what that's what happened with the character of pinhead and um i'm there's nothing wrong with that it's just that that's where they took the story that's where they took the story of that character um uh, but yeah, in the first two movies, he's completely neutral. He's just doing his job. He's a theologian of the order of the gash. He 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 doesn't judge judgment, huh? He doesn't, but he doesn't judge. You open the box. We came. We're going to give you this gift that you've asked for. We like it. Hope you like it too, um, because we like the pain. Um, I think that the script of judgment has really gotten that back on track um, mm-hmm. because of the exploration uh, that Gary has done with this other faction, the Stygian, uh, I remember the full name, Stygian. 
he's talked about it. Uh, but you know, the, the auditor and, and the whole processing yeah. that aspect of the movie. Um, it's also, I think, gotten it back to the Clive Barker world because it's gotten far, far away from anything that Clive Barker may have ever written. Um, so I'm, I'm quite proud of it for that reason. But yeah, I, I, I think that to answer your actual question, <laughs> yes, Pinhead, the Hell Priest is neutral. He's a neutral character. He should be a neutral character simply doing his job. But at the same time, he's got an ego. Um, because when he mo- went from the second move to the third movie, he came back with an ego, and that's what happened. So he's, he's in judgment, gotten sort of back to his origin, but at the same time, he's got that arrogance that has come from years and years and years and years of this power that he has, this position he has, and that's his downfall at the end of the movie, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a little, a little of both. He's, he's, he is simply doing his job, but at the same time, how dare you come in here and tell me how to do my job? Mm-hmm. So it's a, a sort of a mixed answer there. Yeah, but I like that. I, I agree, actually, 100%. Not just because you're here, but I, I, I like that it did get back <laughs> to more of the pinhead. I've said it you know, on the show before, before I booked you on the show or anything. And um, mm-hmm. it's definitely, in my opinion, the best uh, sequel for, 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 uh, for, for a long time. And I love all the new characters. I love the the auditor, and uh, and uh, I, I forget too. John Gulliger's name for his, uh, the uh, what his character's name is. Um, but... Who's the assessor? <laughs> the assessor. There you go. Uh, I was happy the to assessor. see John. Yeah, I was happy to see John Gulliger. Um, oh, I, he's a great guy. I had yeah, he's one of my favorite guests. Yeah. Oh, so you've worked with him before, John Gulliger? No, I didn't work with him in the movie. I mm. no, I, and I, I've not worked with him on any other films. It's just that. We were there at the same time, mm-hmm. and um, we had breakfast at the hotel. That's all. Yeah. all right. <laughs> he's super nice. Yeah, yeah, he's man. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen the Feast movies. Well, I'm a big fan. Oh of the yeah, Feast yeah. Those are insane. Yes, I like, love yeah. them, and I love the monster, and uh-huh. of course, I love Gary's work because he's he's a master. Yeah, definitely, he is so, the master. We'll get back. Yeah. To, uh, we'll get back to Penn in one second. I just want to say. Uh, years ago, I had another uh, co-host here, uh, John, and uh, during my the interview with John Gulliger, he left because me and John were talking about monster penises and and all these things, and uh-huh. he, just, he decided the show wasn't for him. I think. But. <laughs> oh, were you talking about Rawhead Rex? <laughs> we were talking about Feast Two, I believe, because that's the one. Ah, when ah. They never really bring monster attention penis. to it. Yeah, they just start to have penises. And yeah. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. But <laughs> like you do when exactly. you're a beast, they procreate. Exactly. You gotta have a penis. Right. It's just, <laughs> it just makes it much more realistic. So, uh, and I thought Gary was uh, was great as the auditor. Uh, so, what was. Oh, I did too. He's wonderful. Yeah. The, the look obviously is great, but he himself, I don't know if he's ever acted before, but uh, he was, he was he great. He has. He's, he's done some acting. He's been in some okay. other films. Um, and yeah, I, the, the sense of humor that the auditor has, I mean, he's funny. Mm-hmm. He's kind of funny. And I think that's wonderful. That's a wonderful aspect to his character. Yeah. He's quirky and, it, and funny and kind of a middle management guy who's a little bit maybe nervous, but he, he's just doing his work. And, you know, I used to tell people it was office space in hell, but that seemed a little too, because it's not a comedy. So that wasn't really appropriate, but yeah. 
kind of that aspect of it is kind of like office space in hell. Okay, I'm going to need you to get those forms to me right away, and I'm just going to take your stapler, and uh-huh. I'm going to burn down the building. Anyway. Yeah, and it, it's a dark <laughs> Thank humor you, Mike, that doesn't go over the top and make it, you know, a silly, but, you know, it's uh, it's totally there. And totally At all. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, what yeah, was he just, like to work on? Uh, just a little chuckle, like when he's interviewing um, David, or Sean, when he's interviewing Sean, and just he's like, oh, this is like no interview I've ever done before. <laughs> no, no. This guy's <laughs> challenging. Anyway, um, he was he was so cool to work with. I mean, he would show up um, a couple hours before I would, because every scene that I had, he was the auditor. I mean, I think he's in every scene that Pinhead is in, except when I'm just sitting there um, on the throne. Um, and so he would come in early to get his makeup done. So I'm being directed by the auditor, which was really pretty fabulous. And then he'd pop in and do his work and do his scenes. And then he's like, okay, cut back to directing. Um, but he's just, he was so organized and so enthusiastic and positive um, that, you know, there was no way that was going to be an unhappy set to work on. I mean, that Gary knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's done this for, he's a veteran and he's directed many films before and he knows exactly what he's doing. He knew he was extremely limited on budget and on, on time he had. So everything had to be precisely to the point. If he'd had more money and more time, the movie would have been, it would have been richer with more images and maybe mm-hmm. some more extended um, um, sequences. But, you know, he could, he had to choose what he was going to really do the big scene. He had, I think, three scenes where he put the most time into. And then the rest of the stuff, it's like, okay, this is the story. This is the story. It's going along. It's going along. Okay, now we can spend a day or two on this scene. Okay, now we're going to go along, go along like that. And, uh, and that's, you know, that was just brilliant planning. Uh, so he was, he was fun to work with. He was happy. And if he wasn't happy, I didn't see him being unhappy. Um, he didn't allow any... No, no cell phones whatsoever on the set, not only because we can't take pictures, but also just we don't need the distraction when sure. you're working on a film with that type of a schedule. Like, no, we are here to make a movie. So that's a good rule. I hate I hate multitasking. I, and I hate the, I hate the interruption of cell phones when you're trying to do a job. It just it really does mess with people's concentration. Anyway, that's. Beside mm-hmm. the point, but it actually is a little bit to the point of the movie, you know, mm-hmm. when Sean goes off and like, oh, I hate this world with the cell phones and the technology mm-hmm. and the da 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 da. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I do have to. Uh, I I know you you've uh, since talked to Doug Bradley. Yeah. But uh, what I was gonna say though when, when uh, there was backlash when the movie was announced because of uh, uh, Doug not being in it, and he came out online about you know. He wasn't going to do it because he had to sign the no disclosure clause. So uh, when that all happened, though, like uh, how did that did that affect you? And, and how so? Well, it 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 affected me in a in a negative way because I I don't want that kind of uh, that negativity. I mean, it was it was sort of um, unfortunate that there was this relationship that. Um, that Doug and Gary had for many years and they still have the relationship, but there was, there was some hurt, you know, there was some hurt. And 
I don't know um, every every detail of what transpired between them, and it's sad that that it happened. I'm happy that it led to me getting to play the hell priest, of course, of course. <laughs> sure, sure. But um, uh, the the as far as that went, I think that it was blown way out of proportion at the same time because there are legion. I mean, Doug Bradley has legions of fans. Um, with good reason, he created this iconic horror villain in this unique story that touched so many people because it's about more than, it's not just a horror film. I mean, this, Cry Barker's Mind and, and Hellraiser and the whole point of it are biblical. I mean, they have to do with um, being in a physical body, with pleasure versus pain, with uh, cry crime and punishment with, uh, you know, one, one person's pleasure is another person's pain, sort of repeating myself there. But, uh, so, um, I lost my train of thought. I do that a lot. Sorry. But, um, what, what was, what was unfortunate for me that I had to deal with was that I took I I was going I was I was warned and I was going to uh, that that there were going to be some fans who were going to not be my fans and were actually going to in a way hate me because I wasn't that Bradley something that no one could do anything about but that that's mm-hmm. just the way it was so mm-hmm. I kind of went into it with a defensive posturing because um it's a weird thing it's it's you know, it's normal for an actor to audition for a role and get the role and play the role, and the movie comes out and they played a role in a movie. Okay, da 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 da. Maybe they got noticed, maybe they didn't. It's a completely different thing and a weird, unnatural thing to inherit a role that has a cult following already. Um, a, a friend of mine who's known me for years texted me when he found out that I'd gotten the part, and he said, congratulations on your instant cult status. And that was like so weird. And, and on, on so many levels, it was, it was strange because yeah, okay. I've inherited this huge thing and yet I didn't play the role originally. So that's, it's, it's kind of a mind fuck. It's kind of, uh, it kind of blows your mind to read something like that and go, Oh my God, you're right. I mean, I'm not, I, the, the people haven't seen the movie yet, but I've already got a history with the movie when I haven't even learned my lines yet. It was, it, it, it was, it was bizarre. It was mm-hmm. bizarre. So, for, so then we shoot the film and for two years I'm waiting for the movie to come out and I'm reading stuff online and I had to finally adopt a sense of humor about it and just go, you know, people who call themselves fans, of Doug Bradley are sometimes not going to be fans of Paul Taylor. That's fine. Some people are going to be nasty. Some people are going to be stupid. Some people are going to be lovely, but all I can do really is just shut out the negative because all it's doing is shortening my life. If I get, you know, all wrapped up in that stuff, um, it's not healthy. It's not normal. It's not natural. And I'm all about walking in the grass with my shoes off. You know, I don't, I don't want to get all caught up in that stuff much as I, want to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, pinhead in a Hellraiser film, of course. And, and all that comes with that, which was, is really the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. The history that came with it has been 
really strange, but in the long run, really wonderful because I'm getting to do conventions now and um, I'm going to be meeting Doug Bradley in person at Texas Frightmare in May and it's going to be really cool. So it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm finding out that now that the movies come out and a lot of people who were haters are crossing over and saying we accept you as if not the new pinhead, a new pinhead, um, mm-hmm. because there is a difference there. I'm not saying that I am now the guy because there have been three of us and it's just a character in a movie, um, you know, and I happen to be playing, played him this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's not negative for me anymore. It's, it's become, this is, this is the good, I've been worried about this for two years. The movie mm-hmm. came out, people are liking it. That's, the biggest, the most important thing to me, and now that those two years have passed, it's such a relief that now it's time to focus on the present moment and what's next, and I don't have to worry anymore about whether people are going to like the movie or not. I'm sure yeah. some people are going to swear to never see the movie because Doug Bradley's not in it. That's their choice, and that's sad that people want to shut themselves off from maybe something they might actually enjoy or might touch them or they might get it because it's a good script. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right, there's nothing I can do about that. So, sorry, that was a really long-ass answer. <laughs> no, it's, well, I mean, it's a, I think it's probably something that's, you know, an important part of your life. And But you did, uh, yeah, I know it's, it it's on your Facebook page that you did talk to Doug Bradley. Uh, you said on there that you don't want to go into details about it, but it was a, a pleasant experience. Yeah, it was. It was totally a, a private, a private conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's, it was all about, um, he contacted me and he just wanted to clear the air in case there was anything negative, you know, coming from me or coming from him just to, so that the two, the pinheads could be at peace, you know, because we're just having our lives here. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, one day at a time, just like everybody else. And people want to stir up drama. A lot of, a lot of, uh, trolls want to stir up drama. A lot of just people who are na- are in pain in their own lives for whatever reason and like mm-hmm. to see other people hurting, you know, they, those people exist. And so, you know, he's, he's a very smart, funny guy. And I think I am too. And so we sort of, we connected uh, we didn't talk for very long, but uh, we will talk again at, at Texas Frightmare, and hopefully we'll we'll make each other laugh and find common ground. And I think that's just so cool because that's another thing that I've been that I've been worried about for two years. But yet, it was my fondest wish that I would, when I met Doug Bradley, that we would hit it off. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm now that I've seen this side of him in person, well, on a on, you know on a phone on the Skype conversation, but now that we've actually talked face to face, as it were, um, I'm realizing that anything else that I've ever heard, I can just go, you know what? That's someone else's perception. And I don't have to, I don't have to buy into it for myself. I can only go with my own experience. So I'm just, um, I'm just so happy that, that we have that conversation and that I know that, positive things are going on with this movie and mm-hmm. with and with what's happening with my career because of the movie and you know that's a that's a big deal to me really big mm-hmm. deal 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, obviously, I'm part of the horror community here. Um, I right. think there's a lot of people really like the movie. Of course, there's some people, like you said, yeah. that, that, that uh, some of them weren't going to like the movie no matter what, or even see it no matter what. But, um, right. and it's, uh, but there's um, a lot of real positive. I'm, I'm part of a Hellraiser group, and the highest, you know, they had like a poll, and the highest one was uh, between four and five stars uh, for the movie. Oh, like that's great. Like mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. It makes me feel so good when I hear stuff like that because, you know, I don't, I don't want to be number right. nine or number ten in people's favorites. Right. You want to be exactly. at least at a five. <laughs> right. Well, this was, this was out of five. Yeah. So, you know. It wasn't That's four awesome. or five out of ten. It was uh, between four or five out of five. But uh, I do That's want to mention, awesome. like you mentioned it in May, uh, I'll be there too at uh, at Texas Frightmare. And um, oh, and, good. Uh, yeah. So I'll say hello to you as well. And the uh, all the Cenobites awesome. will be there from the original. Uh, uh, two I movies. know. I know. I just bought Barbie's book. I want to have her sign it for me. Her latest book. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait Raider. to see them and meet Simon and just all of them. And and I hope Clive makes it. You know, I know he's scheduled to be there. So, yeah. uh, it's amazing. I didn't their, think that yeah. I would. Huh? I say he designed their T-shirt uh, that they just put out. It's pretty I awesome. Know, I got to get one of those. Yeah. I almost ordered one yesterday, and then I thought maybe I should just ask the powers that be if they'll be <laughs> giving me one. Right, right. But yeah. I have a feeling that no, I think those are going to go fast. I think they're going to sell out. Yeah. That is such a cool design. How often does Clyde Barker design a T-shirt for Texas Frightmare? Yeah, that's really you know, awesome. That art is just terrifying and beautiful. God, I love his art so much. It's yeah, just it's so bizarre. At, at a previous God. Texas uh, Frightmare, they they had this thing called the Dark Arts, and it would be it was um, a bunch of artwork that was uh, dark, and one of them was an original mm-hmm. painting from uh, from Clyde Barker. They had there, and it was. This is like really just you know, bizarre. No, I it well might have been yeah. if he had enough money. I'm not sure. Because uh, my friend Annabelle yeah, had some art for sale. Yeah, but love was, the art. Yeah, it was it was wild. And and uh, yeah. true plug for myself. If you if you see the nice banner from that Simon and Barbie Wild have, I designed both of their banners. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Well, maybe I'll ask you to design mine. I mean, I have one now, and I uh-huh. like it, but. Now that the movie's come out, I can update it because I have more images I can use. Mm-hmm. Better images. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, we have some questions here from, uh, I want to mention you're coming on the show here on Facebook. Robbie Scar wants to know, have you read the comics? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've read the Pinhead comics um, and some of the, I love them. I, I, they're a little too colorful for me because I like my Hellraiser to be dark. So I actually prefer the Boom comics um, to the Pinhead, but I have read all of the Pinhead comics because, I mean, I just had to. And some of those, some of those characters are so cool. I mean, I love Fan Dancer. I, my, I think my favorite is um, Perdition Posse um, with the the, the the Old West. I think of of all, which is pretty much the first. Feels like it's the first one they even go into, but. Uh, the the my and the the Mayan warrior pinhead and the uh, just it's so crazy the crow magnum pinhead it's so wild and and sort of I what I love about the pinhead comics is that it is addressing 
Well, it kind of it kind of changes the whole idea behind the Cenobites and what the whole point of Hellraiser is, and because there's there's a line I don't remember which which um, Pinhead says it. Uh, I mean, which which story in the comics it's in, but he says something like, "Normality, normality, is that which cuts off the the." the sixth finger and the tail, which to me is saying, you know, normality is disallowing anyone to be unique and beautiful in their uniqueness. That's a great message, but it's not what the original Hellraiser was about because it just seems like in the Pinhead comics, they don't really, it's, that's not about the, the, the sexual aspect of, you know, the S&M and pleasure versus pain. Mm -hmm. But I do love the Pinhead comics because they're so unique. And some of those characters are just, are just so, so wild. And, and the different, the different ways they do Pinhead. I love Pinhead in the red Monsignor uh, robe in Speak of the Devil Mm -hmm. with the jeweled pins, which are just like from hell, the description in Hellbound Heart. Um, and so, yeah, I've definitely, definitely read those comics. But my favorite, as I said, is the Boom, the Boom comics, because the art is so beautiful. I think my favorite is the Jack the Ripper. Um, um, Jack the Ripper as a Cenobite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that's so crazy. But when I first, when I got cast in the movie, I was playing uh, a minister in a play called Martyr. It's really strange, dark German play, which had just been translated to English. In, in fact, we were one of the first productions in English in America. And that's when I got the part of Pinhead and in, in um, something, something the flesh, um, Pursuit of the Flesh, the, that, that, that boom book. The, on the first three pages, we see, we see a minister giving last rites to a man who's on death row. And then in comes Pinhead, and he doesn't destroy the prisoner. He destroys the minister. And it was so wild because that, that was like kind of what was happening in my life at the time because I'm, I'm doing this play when I get this audition for, for Pinhead. So uh, it was just so crazy to open that book and to go, yeah, this is bizarre. Here's what I'm playing now. And here's what I'll be playing in my next project. It was it was really really cool, but yeah. I love the art in the Boom comics. Just oh my god, mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and so Clyde Barker esque. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Michael, yeah, I've definitely read definitely read the comics. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I assume you read the because you mentioned uh, Hellbound Heart. You read the original uh, material. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I've it read is. I've read all three. I mean, if you if you count the toll, I mean, I know Clyde Barker didn't write it, but it's from him in a way. Um mm-hmm. I read Scarlet Gospels of course when it came out and um so yeah, but The Hellbound Heart is just so so wonderful and mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, and, and Barbie writes Barbie. Barbie writes a lot uh, about her character. I don't think she, might not mm-hmm. use the Cenobite name, but it's you know definitely uh, her, her, the the character. Uh, she's a great writer. Definitely. She read her stuff. Yeah, and I, and I love seeing her in in her character in so many of the comics as well. 
I mean, it's like, here's a story just about her, which is wonderful. Yeah. Because I, 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 I wish that her character had gone on past the second film because mm-hmm. she's just fabulous. She's just yeah. fabulous. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, they'll bring her back. It might not be Barbie playing her, but maybe they'll bring back that character. Yeah. Sexy. And I know, and yeah, and uh, I know Nicholas uh, Vince. Uh, he recently wrote mm-hmm. the history. The the, I think it's in a comic book. I, I might be wrong there, but it's uh, the, like the origin story of a chatterer. In uh, so I have a, not read that. Mm-hmm. If he yeah, sells either, that, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look for it. But maybe he sells it at the conventions. I can just get a signed copy. That'd yeah, very exactly. Cool. Yeah. Nick was I like should have waited to buy Barbie's book. I mean, I'm sure she's <laughs> selling it. It just came out. I'm uh-huh. sure she'll be selling it at the convention, but I went ahead and ordered it because I wanted to read it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that'd be better because you could talk to about it. it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yes. Let's see. Yes. Yeah, Mike. Chatting with the, chatting with the chatterer. Chatting <laughs> exactly. with the, with deep throat. <laughs> uh-huh. I wonder uh, if she just dislikes that that no, I mean, we, you know, we talked like, about like, on the show. Like, Go on, sorry. Yeah. Like, well, like Pinhead would kill you in the Scarlet Gospels if you called him Pinhead because he's the hell priest. Mm-hmm. I just wondered if female Cenobite would feel the same way. But Yeah. I think I she know. thinks uh, just being called the female Cenobite's a kind of lame. It's better if it has like some type of moniker to it. Oh, yeah. That's you know good. I mean? mm-hmm. Did you say uh, cunniling? That's awesome. I did, but I've never I'll heard that think. before. That's perfect. Oh uh, my god! Because uh, you know we need to keep Hellraiser sexual. It's about sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So uh, a lot yeah. of people had asked about um, about the future of the Hell because I don't want to give away the movie, but it does obviously set up to uh, to continue. Uh, are you yeah. are you connect? Are you are you like? Uh, do you know for sure if you're going to be part of uh, the future of the Hellraiser franchise? I do not know for sure. I have no idea. I know that there's positive talk, but you know, until I have a script in my hand and a mm-hmm. and a signed contract, you know, until the studio or producer contacts me and says we're doing another one, we want you as Pinhead, you know, I have no idea. All yeah. I know is that the pot there's been positive um, talk about it, mm-hmm. and that. If if Gary J. Tunnicliffe were to write another script um, to continue where Judgment left off, he has been talking publicly about how my character would fit into that story. So I God, I hope that happens. You know, it would be it would be wonderful, and um, you know, it would it would be wonderful. It's my fondest wish is to mm-hmm. get to play uh, Pinhead again. Yeah, um, but I have no idea what the I have no idea what the the big the big guys with the money are are sure. thinking or doing or what's going on in that world. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm a I'm an actor living in Dallas, Texas, who got a part in a movie, you know, mm-hmm. and everything that came with that part. Yeah. Oh, well, that I, I, I hope it I, I didn't even think about that. You live in Dallas, so uh, Dallas uh, Texas yeah. Bears, That's going to be even uh, more special for you. Well, exactly. Uh, it it made it it made it really easy for them to say yeah. Bring him in. Uh-huh. Yeah, we don't have to fly him in. Just come in on the bus. We don't have to fly him. We don't have to put him up in a hotel. I mean, a hotel would be nice, but you know, I'm I'm 35 minutes from the airport. That, yeah. I mean, that's where the hotel is, so it's not not a big deal. In mm-hmm. fact, I might be good to just 
Oh, who am I fooling? I'd rather stay in a hotel. But it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Uh-oh. I'll have a table. I will be there. And, you know, I'll get to talk with Doug Bradley. So, cool. I might have an extra bed. You can, you, you can have it if you like. Maybe. <laughs> Hell, yeah. <laughs> you mind if I crash? <laughs> but uh, the, uh, uh, for people who don't know, the, actually one of the real cool things about uh, Texas Frightmare is that it's connected to the airport. So you don't have to worry about taking a taxi or an Uber. You can basically, you can just walk right from the airport to uh, the hotel. Exactly. Yep. It's, it's, it's a nice setup. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what, what do you have uh, in the? What do you have in the works? I have a couple. Uh, I have a few movies that I've been talking about uh, with with some producers and some writers and directors. Um, some of them are local, going to be in the Texas area. Um, I believe I will be going to L.A. in the summer to do. Um, a, a remake of ghost house, um, all one word, not the two word ghost house, but the one word ghost house, which and playing the grim reaper in that, uh, I'm, I'm in talks to play a, a clown in a clown themed horror film that I can't talk about. Okay. There's a movie I did last year, just a cameo that's going to be coming out around the, uh, the holiday season, um, called sick for toys. It's ju- I have, just a couple of lines in it as a cameo, but um, it's a Christmas-themed horror film that's good, that that I've seen and that is quite good and funny and sick and etc. Everything you want with your psychological mm. sicko humans in horror movies um, and uh, some other stuff too. There's I, I have a friend named Derek who is a writer director and he's. He's already directed me in one thing several years ago, which was a TV pilot that, that never took off. Um, but he has, over the years, done some films, and he's constantly working on new scripts. And um, there are a couple projects I'm going to be doing with him. I'm not exactly sure when they're going to be shooting. But I, and there's some other smaller things that are TV series-related and uh, locally Texas-related that I'm in talks with or have recently auditioned for that I feel very strongly about. So nothing, I don't have any contracts yet, but I do have verbal contracts with, with certain um, people, but I can't really talk about the projects because they're, you know, we, they have to be protective of their properties. Sure. I would sure. love to talk about the clown film, but there's a lot of competition out there with clown movies and I don't uh-huh. want to give anything away there, but I hope that one happens. Cause I really want to play a badass clown. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, I know there are a lot of clown horror films out there, but you know, let me do mine. Let sure. me do mine. There's a lot of them yeah. because people like them. So, <laughs> you know, people like them. The right. movie clown that happened, what, two years ago? I don't know how long ago, but where the guy actually became the clown because yeah, of the clown like costume. Uh-huh. Oh my God, it was so good. Mm-hmm. And I was so jealous of that actor to get to do that. And it, I mean, it had aspects of the shining to it, you know, this descent mm-hmm. into madness and that kind of thing. Just, ah, uh, I relish that. I, I really want to play some people who just descend into madness. <laughs> <laughs> because madness is truly terrifying and interesting. And and if you have empathy because you've created it because of a vulnerability, then you the audience is hooked. And that's the kind of thing I want to do. 
mm-hmm. to really get people to chill people. Mm-hmm. So you've always been a horror movie fan? Yeah. I, well, since I was a kid, but I didn't get to watch horror films. Um, I wasn't allowed to watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a particular Saturday night when I was a teenager or maybe preteen when um, Trilogy of Terror with Karen Black was on Saturday Zuni night the movies for the first first run. Yes. And I was terrified by that Zuni fetish doll. And uh, nobody else was home. The room was on their dates, their Saturday, Saturday date night things. I had my little pizza from Pizza Hut, and I'm watching this thing, and it just scared the shit out of me. And um, But there was something that happened to my heart, the adrenaline. I'm like, I like this. But I've also just always loved Halloween and everything, that that whole season, and me getting to dress up and be scary and wear gross makeup or whatever, play a vampire, a vamp- some sort of grotesque monster. And there's just something about getting to be scary when in real life you're just not. Because I, you know, I played some creepy people and I like to sort of weird people out and make them kind of skeeve out by just saying things in a creepy way because I think it's funny. Uh-huh. A lot of people can't take it, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it's like, look, you know me, I would never act on any of these things. If I say it creepy, it's because I, I have a sense of humor and, uh, you know, I, I like the skeevy stuff. I think it's funny. I agree. Unless it's real, unless it's (laughs) real, unless someone really means it, you know, Uh you know, the real child molesters, the real, uh, you know, the real rapey, rapey Joe's. Okay, no, this is uh, not where I'm going with that. That's uh, true horror. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making people feel uncomfortable. Now, these days, we have to be so PC and everything, and, you know, in the workplace, they're, you know, that's not appropriate. It's like, yeah, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's you're hurting, you're making someone feel uncomfortable, so you have to be, you know, we have to slap you down. We can't have that. Mm-hmm. I get it. I grew up um, a white male in the middle of America. I understand. I know what white privilege is. I know what white male privilege is. I understand that there is an imbalance there. I certainly get all of that. I'm not, a, I'm not some insensitive boob who's just like, yeah, I should be able to say anything I want in public. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. But what I'm saying is I like to, I think it's fun to just sort of, Give something a little sort of creepy edge when you say it and to make people just go, oh, oh, you know, it's fun. I, I agree. It's, I agree 100%. And a lot of it's intent. If, if, you, if you're just intending to, to make someone uh, uncomfortable in a funny way, it's different than if you're intending to actually yeah. act on it. As, you yeah. know. But there are those sensitive folks out there who just can't take it and are going to go to management and say, Paul made me feel uncomfortable. You need to write him up or whatever, whatever happens, the scenario happens to be. It's like, Oh, come on. (laughs) I have been accused of being a bully and I, and I, and I think there are so many different ways of bullying that it's become this very fine line where it's like, well, I wasn't actually bullying you. I was maybe teasing you because you, I don't know. You use the word like too much, or you sound like a valley girl, or you, gosh, who could I be talking about? 
Sorry. Oh my God. I'm actually talking about a real person. <laughs> at, least I'm not, at least I'm not saying his or her name. Um, are they, are the, but I'm still not a bully. All right. <laughs> anyway, no. I, I just went off. I'm I now. You. I'm just like rambling. That's yeah. all right. You don't sound like a bully to me. I'm and totally I, not. And, and I'm nasty, Neil. So that's the authority, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but do you have another question here? But it kind of goes into the uh, the end of the movie, so I don't know if we want to give too much away. But uh, well, well I'll, it's a, I'll, I'll ask. I think it, it's too thin. All right, well, we'll I'll save it for if you come back. Okay. Because we don't want to spoil okay. the movie. Because I don't think everyone's had a chance right. to see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's too soon to 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 talk about what happens. I think. Yeah. Well, I'd I mean, we can to... we can hint we can hint around it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'll go too far. I'd yeah. rather not. I think it's I th- uh, the particular question would be a little. But thank you, Jesse. That is a good question. Um. Well, he. I'll, I'll try to say so. He uh, just wants to. What do you think okay. about the uh, the angel character in the movie? But uh, he went more into depth, so I won't say. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that 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 um, that that was introduced as an aspect of the Hellraiser universe because, really, it is Hellraiser is religious anyway, and I know that Leviathan is a fictitious um, thing, of course. If you want to really, if you really want to get into it, the Bible is also a piece of fiction. But um, many would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you know, we create these characters. Oh man, I said that about the Bible, and now I just threw myself completely off. <laughs> um, I think this is interesting because in the in the Scarlet Gospels, Clyde Barker has also introduced a heaven and hell aspect. Um, and a lot of people didn't ever see that in the first Hellraiser because it wasn't there, because this other universe had been created, Leviathan, etc., the Order of the Gash. This was all fictitious stuff that, that, he, that he wrote that was wildly creative. But I think the character, having the, the conflict from Jophiel and from the power above come into judgment. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great thing because the franchise has been suffering for years and has had, um, has had some films that didn't attempt to further the actual storyline of mm-hmm. this hell that we are, are dealing with. We've just had these human stories that injected an appearance by pinhead and it wasn't, it, and some of the other Cenobites and it really didn't further it. Um, so I think, having the introduction of this in, this intervention, this power that is higher than Leviathan, that is, I guess, I don't know. We don't really address that, but definitely higher than Pinhead and saying, mm-hmm. you can't do that. And here's your judgment. Um, I think it was, I think it was fabulous. Uh, and the way the movie ends, which I won't go into details, but the way the movie does end, it really sets up some, some possibilities for more exa- more examination of that mm-hmm. and um, to actually further the franchise in an interesting, productive way where we are actually examining that world rather than just 
coming up with another story that involves the Cenobites, making it a possibility that it can be a story about the Cenobites. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Gary Tunnicliffe has said that his philosophy about a Hellraiser script is you need a you need a good human story, and I agree with that, and that the Cenobites are just frosting on the cake. But if you have if you if you have a character who perhaps used to be a Cenobite and and now has been uh, like at the end of the second movie, what if Elliot Spencer hadn't died but that had actually just been returned to human form? Then you could examine that. <clears throat> examine that. What's his journey now? Now that he's now that he's not a hell priest anymore. I mean, if that had ever happened in any Hellraiser movie that had ever been made in the history of Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Did you like how I phrased all that? <laughs> anyway, I just think that 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 the whole Joe Feel thing opens this new um, this new thing to be examined. I mean, yeah. you could even go with um, turning Joe Feel into into a hell priestess. Uh, mm-hmm. It it really open and and that relates to the comic books. I mean, there's so many possibilities out there. As I said, it's a work of fiction. You can do anything with it. You're creating it as you go. That's what fiction is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have to <clears throat> go with, no, it's never been like that before, so we can't have it like that now. Well, that's bullshit. I mean, of course we can. We're, we're, we're making it up as we go along anyway. There are certain tropes that we do need to stay with. Those I rules, think, but, yeah. Um, yeah, there are certain there are certain rules, but that doesn't mean that they can't be enriched with uh, more storylines and looking deeper into these things. So I think Joe feels fabulous. Mm-hmm. I agree. It just, uh, yeah, and, it, and she's actually biblical. I mean, she was, a, she was a real angel, you know, Gary didn't mm-hmm. just make up this character. She, I mean, okay. As I said, maybe the Bible's a work of fiction. Maybe it's not, but um, she, she was, she's in the Bible. That's what mm-hmm. she did. She did, you know, banish the, banish the, Adam and Eve. She did um, watch the the incestuous arc builders and all that stuff. Anyway, yeah. So and uh, cool. I, I think it is too. And uh, I've had a great time talking to you. I know you have to go, so uh, I'll wrap this up. But uh, love to be back. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Go to my day job. All right. Fair my enough. life is so glamorous. But thank <laughs> you. This has been great fun, Neil. Yeah, I've had a great You're time. Fun to talk to. Well, thank you. I appreciate cool. that. And uh, we'll do it again sometime. Or maybe we'll do it in Texas. All right. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you in Texas Frightmare. Yep. Good time. And uh, people can find you at paultaylor.com. Paul and uh, you can find you on Facebook. Yes, too. I am at paultaylor.com. They can find me on Facebook as well. Yeah, I'm, um, I have a Facebook fan page that's mm-hmm. Paul T. Taylor at Popo Herman. And that's a long story. I won't go into it, but um, they can certainly find me there. I've got Instagram. I've got Twitter. It's, it's, it, you know, it's all, if, if they want to find me, they can find me. It's not that right. hard. I'm the real Paul T. Taylor. So all right. there you go. Sounds, sounds <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again. And uh, have a good, have a good day. Thanks, Neil. You too. Take right. care. Thank you. You as well. Bye. Bye. Bye.